0: Let's take our Bibles and go to 2 Peter. Well, I don't get to preach a whole lot in Missions Month, and that's okay. Uh, I I love hearing the missionaries, and I love this emphasis. Uh, But I hope that this morning's message will be able to be an encouragement to us in the matter of Missions Month. Uh, though the next few verses are not directly related to missions, I think there is an application at the end that can certainly be made uh, for our missions month emphasis, and I look forward to that. Second Peter chapter 1. We've been working our way through here, and uh, it's been a challenge to me personally. It's been a great help, just as we've looked specifically on this subject of maturing as a Christian and what God expects of us. We're going to be picking it up for in verse 8 this morning. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what things? Those virtues that we had preached on for several weeks, a few weeks back. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if ye do these things, ye shall never fall, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then verse 12, our text for this morning, wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them. And be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Do you see a theme there? We had four verses, and three times we had a phrase repeated. It is in remembrance. We want to talk about that this morning, the importance of remembrance. Lord, I pray you'd help us as we look at your word, and I pray that you would help us, forgetful though we may be, to be challenged, to put ourselves in a place, where we're continually being reminded and encouraged and exhorted to stay on the right track. or we need all the help we can get. We need all the reminders that we can get. And I just pray, Lord, that you would help us not to take anything for granted. Lord, teach us this morning, and I pray that you'd apply your, heart, your word to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. The subject of remembrance has already come up in this passage. Uh, Just a few verses before, in verse 8, he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Uh, This is a subject in chapter 1 that uh, Peter brings up several times, the importance of remembrance. Well, as we mentioned a couple of weeks back, Remembrance is a mark of maturity, and we'll say more about that towards the end of the message. But someone who is growing and maturing knows what I need to remember and will focus in on those things and be diligent to write it down or whatever to make sure that you're not going to forget the key truths, the important things. Let me just review here. As you may recall from earlier in the chapter, we saw in verses 1 through 4 God's provision for maturity, uh, this encapsulated these four verses, our position in Christ uh, and the provision for maturity, uh, salvation. And per, uh, we have all that pertains to life and godliness, and we've, we have His great and precious, precious promises. We've escaped the corruption of the world through lust. We're partakers of the, of the divine nature. This is God's provision for us to mature, but there's something we have to do to act upon this provision— And so we saw the process of maturity in verses 5 through 7, add to your faith, give all diligence to add to your faith virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, and brotherly kindness and charity. What were brotherly kindness and charity all about? That was godliness interacting with others. This is the process of maturity that God wants us to be about as a Christian then we had God's plan for maturity in verses 9 through 11, and I won't review that whole bit, but ultimately, God wants to reward us and have us focused on that appearing, and He'll spend a whole chapter on that in chapter 3 in a moment. So now, as we get to the end of this, this whole section has been so meaty. He reiterates for four verses just how much they need to be reminded of these things. Just how much we need to be reminded of these things. In remembrance, this phrase, what is it? Well, it's mentioned three times, verse 12, verse 13, verse 15. It means to remind quietly, to suggest, uh, to put in mind, to remember to bring to remembrance or to put in remembrance. Uh, But this remind quietly. You ever walk up to someone and say, "Hey, by the way," my wife does it to me all the time. Uh, Maybe your wife does too. Uh, You know, I'm going to put this in remembrance. Um, I definitely do seem to have a memory uh, much akin to Swiss cheese. It's 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 a very holy memory. Uh, But I I I guess I have some maturing to do because we've already seen maturity is linked to this and. Uh, so, I've got to buckle down and hence stuff like this electronics, right? I write things down and I put reminders and so forth. My wife has learned if there's things that I need to be reminded of, she'll send me a text at just that right time. And uh, I, I should have put it in the slides. I meant to. But I have a picture that I took of my steering wheel. My steering wheel. Yeah. I got in the car and there, sticky note, big sticky note on the steering wheel. Don't forget Joel. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, Joel!" And I run back into the church. Joel, where are you? You know, I have done that so many times. Left the kids at uh, church. They raid the cupboards or whatever. Oh yeah, I have kids. That's right. Uh, there are things that we have to do sometimes to be reminded and to to take provision for that. And Peter said, "This is something we cannot." Stress enough. It gives four verses to this. As I was thinking about this and getting ready to preach this, at one point I thought, this is a little bit much, isn't it? And I thought, no. if there's four verses to it, there must be something here. Peter wanted to impress his readers' minds with the Word of God so that they would never forget it. said, I think, it meet to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Wiersbe said the best defense against false teaching, and chapter 2 is going to be all about false teaching, but Wiersbe said the best defense against false teaching is true living. A church filled with growing Christians, vibrant in their faith, is not likely to fall prey to apostates with their counterfeit Christianity. But this Christian living must be based on the authoritative word of God. False teachers find it easy to seduce people who do not know their Bibles but who are desirous of experiences with the Lord. It's a dangerous thing to build on subjective experience alone and ignore objective revelation. And, so, and that's where he's about to head in this passage. He's about to talk about, hey, I had this really cool experience. It's called the Mount of Transfiguration, and it was really cool. You should have been there, but actually you didn't need to be there because we have a more sure word of prophecy right here. That's the upcoming messages, Lord willing, when we get there. But in the meantime, he's saying, I want you to remember what you've been taught. I want you to remember what we just spoke. I want you to remember your provision in Christ and God's plan for you, who you are in Christ, what God has already given you and where he has called you to go, because false teachers are coming. And chapter 2 is right around the corner. We'll get into that. The best defense against false teaching is being reminded of what God's Word says, So Peter determined to put us in remembrance. You might say he was a bit of a nag. You know what? Sometimes we need to be nagged a little bit if it's something that has to do with the Word of God. All right? Three thoughts here about remembrance. Number one, remembrance takes intentional effort. Remembrance takes intentional effort. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and be established in them. Intentionality. There's some effort here that he is giving. And over the next four verses, he elaborates just how important this is to him and just how intentional he's going to be about this. You know, there's certain things that we remind that we remember just because of muscle memory. I found out this week that I, I didn't know my own office door code. I've been sick for a week. I've been home. The family's been home. And uh, I, I got the lightest dose of my family, which was a blessing and a curse. Because I got the lightest dose, I kept getting sick. And I'd be better, and then I feel bad again, and I'd relapse, and then. But so anyway, uh, I've been like several days now. I feel like I'm I'm good, but uh, you know, when you're sitting around the house, feeling icky, not doing anything, you're off your routine. Uh, I wasn't coming into church. I, I I was not doing that that code that I normally do. It's just muscle memory. I, I couldn't tell you what the code is probably right now. It's just my hand goes to the door, my thumb does this thing, and the door opens. Okay, so I walk in the door. I try to open the door, and nothing happens. And then I'm just looking at it. What in the world? I, tr- I must have t- tried two, three, four codes. I tried every possible combination. I went around to the other door. I'm locked out. I'm the pastor of the church, can't get into any doors. <laughs> so I go and find Pastor Drew. He has his code. He gets me into my office, but I'm sitting there. I'm like, I don't want his code. I want my code. I got I to I pull this up. I'm, I'm looking through, you know, my, my saved documents of where I saved the stuff. Of course, I didn't update that. So when we changed the codes, I don't have it. So I call my wife. She says, well, try this and that. Nope, they didn't work. Uh, so we, we, last resort, we asked the kids. <laughs> they look up from homeschooling like, so-and-so, so-and-so, and so you know, boom, they all had it. So uh, thanks, kids. Um, I got my office code back, wrote it down. It's all in the files again. But I was thinking about that, like, how did I lose that? I, I, I lost it because I wasn't doing it every day, right? It was just muscle memory. You walk up, you put your hand on the code, and your thumb just does what it does. The door opens, and in you go. You stop doing it and it goes away. That, folks, is human nature. That's just how it works. Uh, if you haven't ice skated for a while and you just jump on the ice, there's some muscle memory, but there's some le- some less something less than was last time, right? You might split your head open, and so uh, like it is with anything in life, what we do routinely will be reinforced. And what we leave will eventually fall away. It's amazing how spongy our brains are. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. God could have made us with perfect memories, but He didn't do that. And I think there's a very good reason for it. We have to work purposefully to prioritize what is important or we lose it. If we had perfect memories, maybe we we would not have to work as hard and prioritize as much, and and, and that would be the the unfortunate trade-off. Peter understood that he could not take for granted that the people he had poured his life into were just going to mature. They were just going to keep growing. They were just going to do everything God had called them to do. He couldn't take that for granted. And so you got this word negligent. I will will not be negligent. This means careless concerning something. He said, I'm not going to be careless concerning this matter. You may think I'm overboard. You may think I'm a nag or whatever, but hey, I'm going to give every ounce of my being to stirring you up and keeping you in remembrance. As long as I am around, you're going to hear what you need to be reminded of daily. Why would he he say this word negligent? Uh, Because I think so many of us are exactly that. We're negligent. We're careless concerning the truth that we let slip through our fingers What was that verse? Now, what did we used to believe about this? We're not keeping it up, and we're losing it. Something that you knew 10 years ago, now your kids are asking you about it today. Can you still tell them? Is it still sharp? Can you transfer that knowledge? We've got to stay sharp. I'll put in a shameless plug here for Faith Bible Institute. It's great to just put yourself in a class, immerse yourself in Bible teaching, diving into the Word of God, and they give you the literature, they give you the books, they give you the notes, and you can keep all of that so in case the memory does fail, you know, go back to the book, open up, there it is, there's my notes. We need to be purposeful and intentional and give some effort. Don't be negligent, don't be careless. He says always, The word always comes up in verse 12 and in verse 15. I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance. You know, he knows that humans are prone to forgetfulness. You know, forgetfulness is our default setting. If we remember something, especially the older we get, it's it's because we planned to remember it. We took provision and he said, I will always be... Your reminder of who you are, what you're called to do, where you're supposed to go, what God wants to accomplish. I'll be your reminder of what you're supposed to know. Praise God for people like Peter. We need people like Peter Peter in our lives, and we need to be that kind of a person to somebody else. Now, this next part is interesting. This phrase, though ye know them, it says though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. So he said, I'm going to keep you in remembrance of these things. What things? The things we've just been talking about for all 11 verses before this. All the virtues, all the maturing, all the provision that God has for Christians. He says, I know that you already know these things, and I know that you're already established in them. Now that's interesting because... You would think then, if that is true, then what's the big deal about the remembrance and putting us in remembrance and always reminding us and stirring us up and so forth? That's just it. Remembrance is for those who already know, remembrance is for those who already are established in truth. It's for those who don't need to be convinced or argued into something. Uh, it is for those who, all, who, who just need to be reminded of that which is already in you. Remember how Timothy was challenged by Paul? And that from a child. What? You knew the holy scriptures that were made, able to make you wise into salvation. He talks about his grandmother and his mother. Eunice and Lois, I think I got that right, and how they put a lot into that young man. And what was Paul telling Timothy? You need to draw upon that. And what those women of God put into you was not just fairy tales and nursery rhymes and little kid stuff. That stuff is supposed to last you a lifetime. And that was truth. Don't forget those things. Stir it up. Keep it before you always. Though you know them and are established in them, you still can forget them. I think that's probably the biggest surprise that we have in Christians, in churches, in churches today is this: It's the Christians who are established, who know the truth, who are the pillars fall away I was just talking with someone yesterday and a uh, gentleman was sharing with me about how the man who had led him to the lord had fallen away and that's oh, that's so sad that that'll that'll rock you i didn't rock him praise god he's still going but you say, how? You led me to the Lord. And I remember the day and I remember what happened. And by the way, so that fellow led him to the Lord. Then he led his brother and his mom and his other brother and his dad. And the whole family got saved. The whole family's still in that church. The whole family's still living for God. One of them's a deacon. But the guy who got it all started fell away. Why? How does that happen? Because and sometimes we'll do it this way, we'll say, oh, that guy probably was a was a he, he was he was a fake. No. Don't go there. Oh, uh, you know, it was it was uh, it, it was an imposter. No, I don't think so. No real people who really know the Lord can begin to run on autopilot. And they've done so much for so long that now they've got muscle memory, speaking of that, that can just continue to carry them forward, even minus the Spirit's enablement. It won't last forever, but it will last a while. They've taken their foot off the gas pedal, but does the car come to a screeching halt when you take the the, the foot off the gas pedal? No, it continues to coast for a while. And then that individual is set up for some attack of the flesh or the attack of Satan. And when it comes, there's a lot of things that are no longer on the forefront of their mind. They're not working so hard to dig into the Word. They're not working so hard to learn. They have begun to coast and they fall away. Peter knows who he's preaching to. He's preaching to people who have been convinced of the truth, they know the truth, and they're established in these things, the virtues of verse five and six and seven. And it says, "If you don't remain diligent to remember, you too can forget, though ye know them and are established in them, though you are established. In the present truth does not give you a pass. You know, sometimes we don't like it when someone says the same thing over and over, when someone repeats. Paul knew this when he said in Philippians 3:1, to write the same things to you, to me, is indeed not grievous, but for you it is safe. Uh, in other words, uh, yeah, no one likes to hear the same thing over and over, but it's good. It's good for you to hear it. Sometimes we will say, oh boy, another message on tithing. Another message on soul winning. Why does he always preach on that particular sin? Why do we sing the same songs all the time? How can we hear stuff that we already know? Because... The stuff that we already know and are established in can become dull, can become distant, and can become forgotten. Though you're established in the truth, you still need to hear it again. You know, we have a whole missions month, and I hope you get excited for missions month. I really do. We try to have uh, exciting things and good speakers and missionaries and so forth, but I suppose someone might dread it. Oh, it's missions month again. Here we go. How many times are we going to hear about the Great Commission from Matthew 28? I hope not. I hope it's not going to uh, you know, discourage you, but I'll tell you this. At my home church, we had a whole, my old church, we had a whole month on stewardship. How'd you like that? Okay. A whole month on missions or a whole month on giving? Okay. Uh, now, that wouldn't be so bad either. Uh, hey, it's Bible. We need that too, right? Though we are established in the truth, we need to hear it again. You know, the devil knows this. That's why the devil does the same thing that Peter was trying to do for his people. The devil will try to put you in remembrance always, 24-7, 365 of the things that life really is all about. About the stuff that you're missing out on, about the high life, which is really the low life. And the devil will put you in constant remembrance. The devil wants you addicted to all of his reminders, all of the electronics, all of the, 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 the programming and so forth. And yet we don't want to uh, counterbalance that. Deuteronomy 6 is a very familiar passage. Verse 6, it says, "In these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently to thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in the house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Okay. Wow. I guess Peter is not so far in left field. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Thou shalt write them upon the posts of thine house and on thy gates. He says, put it everywhere. Why? Because he knows you and I need constant reminders of who Jesus is, of what he's done, of where he's called us to go, what we need to do for him. Promises of his peace, promises of his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, encouragement to pray. So many things we need to be reminded of daily. Remembrance is something that takes intentional effort. How about your home? I hope that your home has some remembrance all around. Some verses, some some truth. Number two, remembrance is a priority. Yea, I think it meet as long as I'm in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance knowing that Shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. It's a priority for Peter to put us in remembrance. He says, I think it meet. What does it mean, I think it meet? It's an old way of saying, I think it's suitable to this need or it's necessary. I think it's necessary for me as long as I'm breathing To be singing this song to you, as you say, little Johnny, one note. (laughs) Well, here's Peter's one note. He says, "As long as I'm I'm breathing, I'm going to stir you up." Why do we need stirring up, folks? It's just the way life works. Things burn out. Fuel eventually dries up, or is, is exhausted. We had our campfire and hayride service. Hopefully you were here for that, and hopefully you didn't get frostbite. Uh, (laughs) It was cold. The wind came through, and I'm telling you, uh, we went through a lot of wood, and uh, when the wood would uh, become ashes, we're adding more wood as fast as we can go to keep it stirred up because we needed that heat. We needed that fire. Folks, If you're establishing the truth, if you're loving Jesus, if you're serving Jesus, if you are, as the Apostle Paul, spending and being spent for Jesus, you had better be stirring up or you're going to burn out. This, again, is where we we scratch our heads and how did so-and-so, the guy who led me to the Lord, how did he burn out? Because he led you and everybody else to the Lord, and didn't remember to feed his own soul. I thought he was a good guy. He was a good guy. Great guy. He, he spent and kept on spending, but he forgot to put himself in remembrance, to stir himself up with the truth that he needed to keep his eyes on. Sometimes we can be so concerned that the people we're discipling and mentoring are looking to Jesus that we forget to look to Him ourselves. How can it be? Well, it can. He says, I think it's necessary for me to stir you up as long as I'm in this tabernacle. And he knew something about that tabernacle of his, his body. He knew that he wasn't going to be there for very long. The Lord had let him in on something. The Bible says that Uh, He says, knowing that shortly I must put off this, my tabernacle, he knew that his time was short. Truth is, all of us could say the same. If we really had an eternal perspective, time is short. I was just talking to my wife this morning and saying, you know, it just doesn't seem right. Like, where's Linda Tate? Where's, where is she supposed to be here you know and where's Dorothy and and well we know where they are you know uh, brother Wollum it just seems like yesterday right and and people are graduating to glory all around us and and it reminds me yeah we're we're not in this tabernacle very long al full of love right Uh, So many of our our brothers and sisters in Christ have passed away in the last couple of years. Uh, Marie Place and so many. I'm reminded this tabernacle I'm in, I'm here a lot shorter than I figured. And that's not a bad thing to be reminded of. That this life is as a vapor. It appears for a moment and, and vanishes away. Because urgency comes from brevity. When you are convinced that the time is short, your urgency will be rekindled. But woe to the one who thinks he has forever. Because then you get fat and happy and sit back and take your ease. Everything's good, we're just going to be fine. No, Peter was convinced that he didn't have much time and he had to make remembrance a priority. Why do you think it was such a priority to him? Why? Well, I I go back to a time with Peter and Jesus when Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny that you know me three times. No. No, not me. I'm the guy who said... Uh, you know, that you are the Christ, the Son of God. And you had some great words of comm- commendation for me. And blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, flesh and blood hath not revealed unto thee. And I'm that guy, remember? I, <laughs> I'm not gonna deny you. And in the heat of the moment, just moments later, he forgot. It was gone. Everything he knew and was established in, he couldn't find it. And he defaulted back to human thinking. He got panicked. He had his eyes off the Lord. He was terrified of what might happen. And he went a direction he did not think he would go. And he says, Look, I've learned a lot. I got so discouraged. I left the Lord. I went back to fishing. But God came and found me and Jesus said, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times, feed my sheep. God came back and stirred him up. And he says, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, I'm going to be stirring you up. Because very quickly, I'm not going to have this tabernacle. I'm going to go meet Jesus. And I know just how important it is. Isn't that what Jesus told Peter, he would do, when thou art converted, what? Strengthen the brethren. And that's what Peter's doing right now. I am going to put you in remembrance, always stirring you up while I'm in this body of this flesh. Every time you see me, I'm going to be a billboard for Jesus Christ of what you're supposed to be, where you're supposed to go, what God has given to you. Remembrance is a priority. At least it was for Peter. Thirdly and finally, remembrance is a hallmark of maturity. This has come up a couple of times, but here it is again. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. You know how you know they really got what you told them? when they still are hanging on to it, believing it, telling it, sharing it, after you're gone. It's a real sign of maturity. I know that my kids are all maturing at various paces and various rates and so forth, but my wife and I, we, we get excited when we come home and we see that while we were gone, they did what they were supposed to do. Their love for us did not wane. Their love for each other flourished. And it's like, yes! They're growing! And isn't that what we learned in 3 John 3? Sorry, 3 John 4? I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Absolutely! And that's what Peter wanted. He wanted to know that what I have put into you, the Word of God that's gone into you has gone so deep that after I am dead and gone, you're still right where you're supposed to be, and you're putting each other in remembrance, and you're holding each other accountable, and you are iron sharpening iron, and you are exhorting and encouraging and praying for one another after my decease. Moses also knew what Peter knew, that after his decease, he would see where things stood, and Moses didn't have very much faith in the children of Israel. Can't blame him. (laughs) What did Moses say? Deuteronomy 31, 29. For I know that after my death, ye will utterly corrupt yourselves. And turn aside from the way which I have commanded you, and evil will befall you in the latter days, because ye will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. Oh, come on, Moses. Don't sell them so far short. <laughs> Believe in them. <laughs> well, Moses knew what he was talking about, and unfortunately, Moses was spot on. Everything Moses said in verse 29, Came true to the detail. You know that is the way things often go. But I'm glad Peter Peter didn't say it the same as Moses. <laughs> Peter leaves us with a little bit more hope than Moses did. And he says, after I'm dead and gone, he says I, I'm, I'm going to endeavor to be able that after my decease to have these things all. Oh, is in remembrance. Folks, there's hope. You don't have to eventually burn out, eventually slow down, eventually just say, you know what? I'm done. No, you can, even after the decease of your mentors, those who invested in you, you can continue to abound in remembrance and what God's put into you. If it's in you, If it's really in you, you no longer need someone necessarily stirring it all up. Though we do always need each other. But if it's in you, you know who you are. You know who you were. You know why you're here, your purpose. You know what God expects of you. You know what you've been given and you know where you're going. What you do after your mentor is gone Demonstrates how deep what was imparted went into your soul. Folks, we need to be put into remembrance. The truth of the matter is, we're just as thick skulled and hard hearted as Moses' individuals, the children of Israel. We're just as hard hearted as Peter was, but there was hope for him. So, a couple of questions here as we conclude. You know, kids will ask, why do we go to church so often? Your neighbors will ask. In fact, I'm curious. Anybody have a neighbor ask you why you go to church so often? Anybody? Yeah, I've had it. Like, didn't you just go last week? What's going on? Like, who died? Or or this is a funny one. They must be really bad. They go to church all the time. You know, that's a way to start a rumor, right? No, you're not going to church because you're really bad. You're going to church because, well, maybe we are. I don't know, okay. Well, we're going to church because he's really good. Amen. And he loves us and we want to get to know him, right? Uh, there's things that we want to, to uh, remind ourselves of and keep them in remembrance. We want our kids to have this in remembrance. I don't want my kids to forget the, sing, the, the songs. I don't want my kids to forget the verses. I don't want myself to to just take these things for granted. I need to go to church because I need to be reminded from the Word, from the songs, and from you. I need to bump into you in the hallway. If there's a lion in the bathroom, that's a good opportunity to say, hey, how you doing? Uh, You know, just, just having opportunity for interaction. We need one another. We can stir one another up. We can put each other in remembrance. I know some may even today think it excessive to go to church every week. Uh, you go to church, maybe even Sunday morning and Sunday night. Wow, that's a, that's a, that's a hard one. Uh, and then Wednesday. Hey, folks, you know what? Some of us, we have short memories. And we need all the church, the fellowship, the Bible, the prayer that we can get. And so much the more as we see the day approaching heard a pastor say that after COVID, there was a family. Of course, everybody kind of shut down during COVID, right? And then we started opening thing back, things back up, and this one pastor reached out to a family in the church, and they said, you know what? We're, we don't think we're going to come back. We just realized that we don't really need it. You know, life went on without it, and life still goes on, and we don't really need it. And that's such a sad, sad thing. Of course, the pastor was, was heartbroken by that. Uh, but what that, what that family failed to understand is, um, it's kind of like taking your vitamins and then stopping. Do you die? I didn't take my vitamins. Oh, you know, down we go. No, that's not how it works. But you stop taking your vitamins, and then after six, after six weeks, you're like, hey, we're still good. After six months, you're like, I think I'm hanging together just fine. After a couple of years, you know, maybe you, you begin to see more of an effect. Or maybe, maybe vitamins, medicine, whatever you want to say there. So much more, though, I would say, with church and fellowship and Bible and interaction. It is so much more that you may not notice immediately, but there is a long-term effect of the lack of interaction with God's people and diving into God's Word, being challenged, being reminded. Uh, the Bible says to reprove, exhort, rebuke with all long suffering and doctrine. Well, we need as much of that as we can get. Well, the question is, why do we go to church so often? Because we need to be reminded. Why do, we, why do we read our Bibles every day? Because we need to be reminded. Why do we read it through in a year? I know some folks, that's what uh, some folks like to do. Not that you have to, but I know a lot of folks here read the Bible through every year. I personally like doing that. I read the Bible through every year. Why would you read the same book every year? It's not just a book. It's the inspired Word of God, and I need the repetition. There's a pastor or friend I know who reads it through seven times in a year. I can't read that fast. If I tried that, I wouldn't get anything out of it. But he's much smarter than me, and uh, he loves it. And I said, go for it, man. If you can do it seven times a year, do it seven times in a year. But again, why? Because we need to be put in remembrance. Why do we need regular exhortation? Because the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 3, Exhort one another daily while it is called today. lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. There's a lot of deceitfulness of sin going on, and there's a lot of hardening going on, and we need to be exhorted daily. I need someone, I I need a Peter in my life to be able to walk up to me in the power of the Spirit, in faith, speaking the truth in love, and say, hey, brother, can I remind you of something? I need that, you need that. Why do we need revival meetings, Uh, special meetings like church camp? You know, is that a waste of money? I'll tell you, church camp is our big revival meeting. That's not cheap, several thousand dollars. And I suppose you could easily make a case that that's extravagant and it's a bad use of money. But I don't think so. I think it's an opportunity for us to stir one another up, to be put in remembrance, to hold each other accountable, to help one another walk in the walk that God's called us to. Now, just a couple things as we... I I said I wanted to give a closing application to Missions Month. Why do we need Missions Month? (laughs) Same thing, it's, it's remembrance. We need to be reminded of how good we have it here and how bad others have it elsewhere. We need to be reminded that though we have Bibles everywhere, and I've got a Bible on here, and I've got a Bible on my phone, and and there's others who can't get a Bible in their language. It doesn't even exist online. That's unthinkable. To not have the Word of God in, in my language, I cannot imagine it. We need to be reminded of that every year. We need to be reminded that there are people who are still unreached. It bothers me when I think of North Sentinel Island. I believe last year, October, in my message, I, I think it was last year or also it was two years, I talked about North Sentinel Island, how not only has it never had a gospel witness, it's never been reached by anybody because if you go to North Sentinel Island, they kill you. It's just crazy to think that there's that kind of darkness in this world. We need to be reminded of that, that the light still needs to permeate some dark corners of the world, that that we still need some pioneers. We need to be reminded about our responsibility. Folks, you know, out of sight is out of mind. And I don't like... It's not a pleasant thought to me at all. It's not a pleasant thought at all to think about millions of people across the world dying and going to hell. I don't like to think about that. Okay, let's just not. Let's cancel Missions Month. Let's do a happy month. And we'll do happy thoughts for a whole month. And it'll be great. And No, folks. We need to be reminded that there are millions dying, lost without the Savior. We need to be reminded of Cambodia and Africa and uh, what was this? I'd never heard of this one. I hate to say it. Burkina Faso? I had never heard of that in my life until I uh, met the Risingers. All the people who are going into a crisis eternity. And we need to be reminded that God expects us to sacrifice as well. Just practically, let me just say, I would never want to guilt anybody into doing anything. That's not it. That's not remembrance. I would like to stir you up. That's what Peter did. He didn't guilt them, but he stirred them up, and he was passionate, and he said, you're going to get my every waking breath reminding you of these things. That's what we want to do here. Faith Promise Missions is an opportunity that you can get behind just so you know where we're at, we, we have been taking on, as I mentioned, about probably an average of two missionaries per year for the last eight years, and, and we could do more. It all depends on what comes in. And so I, I looked at uh, our numbers. I don't look at names, okay? I don't do that. I don't know what you give, but I just get numbers, okay? And that keeps me abreast of the situation, what's going on in our church. And I believe that there's still great room to grow in our Faith Promise program. In fact, I know that there is. Uh, Currently, of all of our givers that give regularly, 52% of our current givers have not taken uh, advantage of our Faith Promise program at this point. Let me explain what I mean by that. I don't mean that they haven't signed cards. I mean, 52% of our givers don't give to missions. This is not a rebuke. This is not a guilting session. But I want to give you an opportunity to see where our church is at. We still have a lot of potential for growth. You look at that board, I can see it right through the glass. All of our missionaries are on that board. I think we might have a couple that are not on there yet. I'm not sure, but it's growing. Drew does the board, and he has to change it regularly because we're always adding new missionaries. But you look at what's on that board, and you say, wow, we're supporting all those missionaries. And I say, yes. And that's only with half of our church uh, supporting missions. If we grow in our faith and let God continue to enable us to see the need, to be reminded of our responsibility, uh, to be reminded uh, that, that God can use me on this side of the world to help someone on that side of the world. Oh, it's exciting. We have at Ann Arbor Baptist Church a huge growth potential in Faith Promise Missions. And I want us to pray that God would help us to grow into that potential. I'm thrilled for what we're doing, absolutely thrilled. And I'm also excited for what we could still yet be able to do should God lead us individually and corporately that way. We need to be put in remembrance of these things. May God help us to keep these things daily before our hearts and minds. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to look at your word and be reminded, to be put in remembrance. I pray that you would help us, Lord, as your children, not to be careless, to be negligent in regards to what we know. and. Just because we know these things and are established in them it doesn't mean that we don't need to be reminded as we already saw. We are the ones who need to be reminded of the truth that we have and are responsible for. Stir us up, Lord, about these things. Stir us up concerning missions and the opportunity that is there. And I pray, God, that you get the glory. that's about an eye, nice closed as we just take a moment. Uh, just, a, just a moment. I want to give you, you stand, uh, at, your, at, stand at your place Uh, But as the piano plays, would you take a moment to talk to God about what He is reminding you of? Where is He talking to you this morning? We'll take some time tonight at 6, Lord willing, to come back in our life group time and have a, a, a hopefully a fruitful discussion as we let God continue to apply these truths to our lives. Uh, it's, a, it's a blessing to be part of a church, part of a family, where we can put one another in remembrance. Pastor CJ, would you come and close this, please?
1: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the message from Second Peter, putting us in remembrance of what you've done, what you've given to us, And our calling, our calling to put others in remembrance, to stir up those around us in the body of Christ, to the lifting up of the head. Lord, help us to take the good news that Jesus is alive and well and can save the soul and give peace, not only in this uh, earth here, but for all of eternity because we have peace with our God. Lord, help us to take our commission seriously and to give toward missions, and to be a missionary at home. Lord, it's not another's responsibility. It is ours. Lord, help us not to be negligent of our responsibility. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness, grace, and the victory we have in Jesus. Lord, today, give us rest. Bring us back safely tonight as we um, look to hear again from your word. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. It was good to see you today. God bless you. You are dismissed.